You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to someone who is a breath of fresh air. Uh, He's a comedian I've worked with all over the world and he's someone who has absolutely survived and escaped the the lifestyle of a a road act um, to make a really different, clean living hard-working life for himself. I, I, he's really, really inspiring. He's a very, very funny comic, and he's got a very interesting story to tell. This is the brilliant Mickey D. So, let me see the scar. Okay. And so, uh, we'll direct people to a picture of it. And right. we'll start with your scar. Okay, you ready? I'm Go just on. taking the... Oh, God, Good job I didn't buy the uh, these are very the, trend, tight. the trendy Melbourne jeans. No, yeah. I had the option for the trendy Melbourne jeans, <laughs> but here we go. There we go. Have a look at that. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's uh, that's ten stitches and all. Well, the stitches are out, and there's some some scabbing there. You can refer to the picture. <laughs> yeah, mate, uh, it's healed up pretty well. All in all, I've been uh, massaging bio oil into it like it's a cesarean scar. Oh that's my a, God. Yeah, just to get the scar tissue down. So. The flexion extension can happen again back in the knee, and I can carry on being an armchair athlete. So you were you were doing what when this happened? How did I, you do it? I was running five marathons in five days. That was my challenge. It's um, it's an annual event up in uh, Lancashire called Hell of a Hill. Okay. And I was raising money for charity uh, as a, that was a, a side bonus, but it was just a a, you know, a massive task. Day four, uh, twenty miles into the fourth marathon. And I was feeling stronger. My times were getting faster each day. I've mm. slipped on a rock. Uh, no, slipped on some mud and gone completely into a gang of rocks and just split my knee open. Oh, and that was man. me out. It was strange because I felt a mixture of relief. Yeah. Because I went, well, I'll sleep in tomorrow. Don't have to uh, yeah, turn out and do it. So <laughs> I don't have to do a marathon yeah, tomorrow. I don't, I don't have, have to, to finish on this one. On the bright side, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, somebody, uh, a passing mountain biker, rang um triple nine and I, I didn't know this uh went after i got stitched back and dropped off at race headquarters they go well here's here's the footage of your helicopter they sent a helicopter what? to get me yeah and the mountain rescue we drove past them uh the paramedic sorted me out mm. uh there on site mm. and they rushed me off to uh bolton hospital to get stitched up and we passed the mountain rescue on the way there the sirens are blaring and they've gone i hope that's not for me, jokingly, it was. Oh, my God. So all in all, about 14 people were uh, scrambled and a helicopter sent for me um, 
Yeah, so the new joke is I uh, I raised, I milk a round of applause. I go, I raised two and a half grand for, for Christie. <laughs> that's going to be my next sister. question. <laughs> and uh, on the flip side, the the mountain rescue helicopter cost six grand. Oh. So guess who I'm running my marathon for next year? Oh, mate, that's lovely. So that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting. I um. I like with this with this show with this process. I really like to try and get a sense of who my guests are, like yeah. a, like a real who are you. I want to show people who you are to me, and it's funny because just that there's there's so many avenues we could explore in that initial thing. The fact that we're at my mum's house uniquely, never Very done a nice. podcast here before because <laughs> you live in Birmingham, so we've yeah. got all the kind of like where you live in the world. I know you're a big international traveller. We'll get to that in a while as well. Um, then there's also the fact that because we've moved and we're sorting the stuff, as I was setting up, your instinct was, shall I show you my scar? Which says something about you as a person as well. Then there's the fact that you were running five marathons in five days, which from that we can get into the fact that you're super sober and clean now. Mm. This was not the case when I met you. That's right. Um, but I think what I want to start with is when I... Uh, our first gig that we did together. Now, I don't know if you'll remember this. It was a Mirth gig. It was in an aircraft hangar. Oh, yes. Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. It, it sort of wasn't being used as an aircraft That's hanger, right. but it was effectively an aircraft hanger. <laughs> Hatfield? Yeah, gee, well, well done. I mean, that's got to be going on for <laughs> seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And I remember, I remember that the first time I met you, within about 30 seconds of knowing you, you were calling me Goldie. Like, you've, given, you've, you've done that kind of instant nickname thing. And I've mentioned that to other people, and they're like, oh, yeah, Mick's very like that. <laughs> like, you have a quality that I think is so rare and so special, whereby you meet anyone and you're best friends with them within 20 seconds. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, but, I mean, well, I mean you're so welcome. You're so welcome. You are, you are just a joy to be around. <laughs> and... and and it's not simply that you're this kind of, you know, like a nice idiot. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you're just like a happy guy. <laughs> Hi, Goldie. There's, there's some quality that you have, which is, it just means that everyone likes you. Cheers. Do you think, think do you feel well, that in life? Do you recognise that in yourself? Well, there's that, that thing everyone wants to be liked. Or, uh, you know, some, sometimes it might come from a place where you want to be accepted. You know, so it's, it's um, I, I feel basically, uh, I went to about 10, 7 to 10 different schools. We moved around a lot as a kid. So okay. my, this my is, whole, was you army folks, was it? No, no, pu- publicans. Oh, really? Yeah, hospitality. Okay, so, okay. Uh, age of seven, uh, dad bought his first pub. I'm so confusing I'm, the story. At one point, the pub was on an army base. Is yeah, that right? Yes, nearby. gotcha. I thought you were an army kid. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Spot on. So yeah, on a Thursday, I'd see, yeah, that's when we get all the, all the army boys in so yeah um so i guess yeah i had to work quick on my feet meet people and and get on immediately so you know be new school uh new venue uh new audience uh, new colleagues new schoolmates new new comics so you know i i get to you know a very short time to uh, you know meet people and and just carry on because i'll be coming in midterm yeah i'll be coming in you know uh halfway into a festival or whatnot you know you just have to hit the ground running and just be yourself and back yourself in you see that when you come out on stage i was watching a couple of your youtube videos of course we worked together in new zealand before as well Good and times. australia yeah and when you come out on stage you instantly win a room over I think from the videos I was watching this yeah. morning and from the stuff what I've seen you before <laughs> one of the things there's a sort of a technical thing you do which is that you're one of those people who has insider information on every place yeah 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. I like, like, there's a video of you doing the New Zealand Comedy Festival, and you do think it's Christmas, and you go, oh, it's a time of Christmas cheer, and it's also a time of cheer, and you're like, yeah. you're into like, it. but like that is that is a thing. You know, you only get the word cheer if you go to New Zealand a few yeah. times and know what that means. So presumably, are you kind of? Are you kind of constantly pumping people for information? Yeah, well, you that, go? that's the thing. I uh, being part of the um, Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow was like a big, big honour, and it's you know it's a it's yeah it's exactly that. You get asked to do that. I, I was brought onto it as a as a teenager. Um, how old was I? Just just turned eighteen, and the things you go to town to town, always got to get a bit of local, mm-hmm. and. Um, <laughs> and I'd also ask a cheeky thing. I was a little bit of a wheeler and dealer, so I'd, uh, I'd, 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 I'd ask. We, we could assume from that what we may. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd I'd ask the tour manager, look, have we got any? How many free tickets can we give away? So I go up and down the high street of, let's just say, Bunbury springs to mind, Bunbury, West Australia. I was up and down the street as a eighteen, nineteen year old, going into surf shops, going, look, do you want a couple of free tickets to show tonight? Because that. Those surf shorts look quite nice. I was trying to, <laughs> and then get a, if the guy goes, yeah, bonus, some cheap surf shorts, or uh, <laughs> or he says no, I, you know, here's a bit of a band. He goes, you're a bit of a chance. I go, yeah, I'm just doing the show, and then get a bit of back and forth about the town, much yeah. like you know, you'd see. Um, yeah, the, the barman talking to his his regulars. You know, I watch yeah. I watch my dad and watch our our um our, our staff. It's a staff. We have staff. <laughs> had, had the other barman. You know, I grew up I grew up in a pub, just seeing how people would communicate and talk back and forth in, in that kind of environment. So yeah, you get the intel on the town um, and try and work out what makes certain parts of the world tick, and then yeah, hit the ground running. So you did you get on with you folks? Yeah, yeah, and do they are they still alive now? You're supposed, yeah, mum, mum and dad uh, in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, dad's still uh, they're still working in hospitality. Our mum mum's now uh, she's working in a hospital. Um, where she's working in the kitchen there, uh, so yeah, still very much in contact with people every day, and you know, very very giving folk and uh, hard working. It's hard to imagine you doing anything other than stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to say um, I've revisited some old material about because people ask me. So you know, um, you get it a lot. You know, so you do this is what you do, and you, you try not to be cocky. It's like, well, yeah, fifteen, fifteen years, yeah, professional. You know, uh, to two thousand one, two thousand two is when. Well, basically, I say now, yep, uh, Colonel Sanders couldn't tame this wild horse. <laughs> you know, because that was my only other job. Well, I did uh, half my Bachelor of Education yeah. majoring in sports science. So that was like I really love applied science where I can put it into something I can see. So training, my running um, and, and all that. But um, Bachelor of Education, left that halfway through because I got the big offer from Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow and some mm. telework in my second year. Um, it all happened really quick in Australia and then I moved overseas to tackle the UK. Did you do Raw and all that kind yeah, of Yeah, I won, I won, won South Raw, Australian uh, final of Raw and then uh, in the grand final in Melbourne in front of 1,400 people, uh, they awarded their first ever kind of runners-up prize. I come second to Chris Franklin, who now is a lifetime, oh, he's like a big brother really, mm. you know. Um, everyone knows Chris Franklin in, in Australia and, and wider wider. Field. I have to say I don't know Chris Franklin. Oh, he's, he's, he's amazing. He's, uh, he's kind of like the... The big brother you're glad you have and, uh, you know, he's he's just so warm, open and generous. He's just an um, amazing bloke. And everyone I met in that year in Raw, we're still in contact, a good portion of us anyhow. 
you know. Um, so, yeah, I was working at KFC and working out the back, back of house with yeah. uh, all the trolls, I say, because once you're out the back, you're stuck out the back because you're getting burnt and cut and yeah. bruised the whole time. <laughs> they don't put you on show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then what did I do? I come out to Edinburgh, 2000, uh, yeah, 2000, August 9th, I, I landed in, in Edinburgh. Festival was already underway. Um, I, my thing was get to the Gilded Balloon, go and meet Adam Hills because Adam Hills was, uh, he emceed my first ever gig in okay. Adelaide. okay. So um went there to do my first recce. Um, Mary Tobin put me in contact with Karen Corrin, yep. who gave me my first ever paid gig in, in Edinburgh. Uh, and I was on with Ross Noble and um, what's the other bloke's name? Oh, Russell Brand. So that was <laughs> my, my first ever gig in the UK. What, wow. happened, what happened to them? Yeah. Uh, what, uh, kind, what kind of profile were they at the time? Obviously, um, they're massive now. Uh, Ross was... Um, Ross was selling really well uh, in the main room, old Wilkie House, where original Late and Live was. Yes, Ross was yes. selling out there. I think he uh, was Chicken Man, uh, the name of his show. Where he, okay. had a, he had a massive – people were already making big wooden sets for him. So okay, he was at okay, a okay, pretty big level, okay. you know. And yeah. then uh, old Rusty Rockets was um, – he was doing the MTV stuff. He's a bit of a wild man. So, okay. uh, yeah, so he was – I remember him standing on a, on a chair and just berating a heckler and – the yeah. show was called Festival Fiver Fever because somebody cancelled the time slot before Late and Live. So okay. that was, I remember getting the phone call from Karen and then going to ring Dad internationally on a payphone. I've gone in and I bumped into this uh, Edinburgh Trampy. We kind of go on the phone box the same time. He's going, oh, no worries, big man. I'm just going there for a push. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made, made the phone call and um, I'm like, yes my first paid gig it's all going to click together then come uh come september um i had to get a job in edinburgh at kfc so <laughs> i ended up working at so kfc you, so you stayed applied skills uh, my aussie <laughs> my aussie uh <coughs> my aussie experience at kfc i thought well i should have got a job in a pub i should have yeah. got a job i was offered a job at the odeon for the other people i was living at the hostel but i worked at kfc again and i worked my ass off there to save up to go to New York where I had gigs booked in because okay. uh, I've met so many contacts that year doing Edinburgh and uh, Adelaide. I was uh, only, yeah, I'd just turned 21 by the time okay. I was going out to um, out to the States and I told them. I said when I handed him, uh, I said, look, I'm giving my two weeks notice. Why? Why are you quitting? I'm like, oh, because I'm going to uh, New York. What for? And I said, well, um, I'm going out there to do gigs. I'm a stand-up comedian. What? But you're not funny, yeah. right? Because I never told them I was a stand-up. I just put my head down and worked and worked and worked. So other than other than KFC and Bachelor of Education and a paper round and working in a recycling centre, yeah. I'm, I'm a career comic from from age 18. And you're, I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, Russell Brand being a wild man at the time. Mm. I mean, you, it's interesting. There's a really... There's a really fascinating sort of duality in who you are because it, I, I was just thinking anyone listening to this who hasn't seen you for 10 years yeah. would be like, who's this guy? <laughs> who's this calm, <laughs> measured, healthy version of Mickey who runs five marathons? Because at the time, I think when I met you, you and, and visible, stri- uh, what's the, strikingly visible on your uh, YouTube videos, there's a hell of a belly there. Oh, yeah. Because you were a big drinker and a smoker yeah. and everything. You really kind of went for it. So mm. where did that come from? Were you doing that before the KFC kind of era, before the Edinburgh era? No, I see, I was still pretty... Uh... I was still pretty clean living then. Look, I dabbled. Like um, I had some great, uh, some great time. Adelaide loves uh, Adelaide loves a smoke. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's decriminalised. So I wouldn't say I smoked a hell of a lot of weed back then, but um, as far as dabbling and as far as, uh, you know, uh, recreational drugs, that was, you know, that was part of the diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically uh, whatever I've always done, I've never done it by halves. Uh, ironically, um, tablets. Yeah, I'd always do them by halves, but <laughs> yeah. I'd do a lot of them. Um, but <laughs> Even you, calling them tablets. It just sounds you know, cute. I feel like yeah, I could play like, my granny this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, a couple of tablets uh, or, or pingers or googs or, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to call. Um, you know, we'd go out... Um, Go up pretty hard, but um, that was yeah, that was the thing. I remember saying uh, I did this lovely gig the other night up in uh, in Lancashire, kind of a family pub where I feel so so at home at these little pub gigs, you know. And I I stop and reflect, and always because you see the gaffer looking over his bar at a full house, and I've gone, this is really nice. And I said to this young lad in the front row, I said, if I give you some advice on drugs, young man, is um, I won't lie, they they're incredible. <laughs> They're, and you see his mum going, "You, what are you doing?" I'm going, no, it's all right. They are. They're honestly. They're, they're incredible, and that's that's the problem. That you know, because they're better. They're better than everything. And but you're, you know, go and try and see if I'm not wrong. And you see his mum just shaking her head. But then I thought, look, but honestly, they're, they're better. Um, you know, you're here with your family. You're on a night out with your family, and that's that's what I wish I could go and reclaim the time I wasn't completely genuine and. You know, my myself, I I got I got lost up in it all. You know, and I mm. couldn't. I know I couldn't be a, the father I am, the husband I am now, if I was, I was still doing that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, um, I gave I gave uh, the powders and the whiskey a good nudge uh, in my latter years in London, and that was it. Just wasn't agreeing with me anymore. You know what the problem was? I would, I'd absolutely rip a gig. Um, people would say that that was that was amazing. And I'd come off thinking, yeah, I, I did, I crushed that. And then I'll probably be able to pull off the next night as well, going, I've got this sussed, mm-hmm. and that's trying to recapture that. So I didn't have any consistency. I'd be, you know, um, every now and then I'd just I'd pull a blinder off because there's the right blend of uh, bravado, fearlessness, uh, and, you know, I was untouchable as far as I put that. And would you, would you be working on, on drugs or drunk? Yeah. Uh, or is that like a celebratory thing after the gig? No. Like you were going on stage hammered? You know what? It'd be, uh, I'd sometimes, you know, I'd be in a state from celebrating afterwards. I'd still be in that place the next day and I wouldn't, I'd just kind of top myself up so I could be in that kind of uh, measured form for the next night. Gotcha. I'd never, I, I'd never eat a whole lot of uh, drugs. I'd never, you know, I'd never go uh, out of my way to, you know, be trashed before a gig. I just, sure. it just would be where I already was. Yes, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, I do, and I, I feel like I remember you from that period. I remember a sort of a. Mm. That's a thing that's easy to do with comedy, isn't it? If oh, you yeah. find that you can work as well, or I'm sure for some people better. If you're just like coasting slightly, if you're just a bit inebriated or a bit drugged mm. up or whatever it is. But like anything in life, that just that that wedge gets thicker. Yes. You know, and I remember, uh, and I, I can't remember, well, just, again, good good staff at the, um, the sit-down comedy club. I got cut off yes. before I went on. And this was my third night there. And right. I've had... I'd ripped. This is Brisbane. Uh, yeah, great yeah. Fidelity, great yeah. man. Books, great acts. The uh, the whole sit down uh, crew, um, Rog and everyone. They mm. they really look after you. And so I'm back there, and it was you know I'd watch the show, and I'd always make a point from headlining to watch the whole show because you wanna you wanna see what's happened. You wanna yeah. see what the crowd could do with. 
um, and what to bounce off. So I've watched the whole show and I would have had, and this was standard, and it took my wife to point this out to me. She goes, so you mean before you go to work, which is what you do, it's mm. your passion, it's your career, you're just in hanging around, um, for example, on this night I would have had one, two, four pints, mm. and then maybe a couple of shots of Jaeger, because Jaeger mm. was the rage at the time. Um, so I've had four pints, two litres of, you know, of 4X Castle Mate, only the finest people, <laughs> and uh, and two shots of Jägermeister, and then then it's the bracket before I'm meant to go on. So the MC's about to bring me on, and I said to the lady behind the bar, can I have a, another pint, please, and two shots of Jäger? Because hmm. that's what I wanted to have before I went on. And that was just, I was thinking, that's normal. And she's got, no, nah, I'm sorry, you've had a, enough. And here I'm thinking, she mustn't remember me from the night before. I'm going, but hang on, I'm... Yeah. yeah, I'm not a punter. Yeah. I'm, I mean, but she was doing me a favour, you know. So I've actually gone, this is where I was in my head. I've gone, look, sorry, not being funny, but um, can you get your boss? Yeah. So I just said, look, can I just get my drinks because I'm about to go on? I didn't think that she was yeah. being, um, doing a job properly, which is responsible service to alcohol. Technically, I wasn't paying for it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, you're right. But, you know, um, so it was getting out to that stage and it was like, and my wife, Boo, an amazing woman, she gave me so much more strength and clarity through just pointing out stuff like, so you mean you'd before, like a festival show, mm-hmm. I'm on it, since I'm on at eight o'clock, I'd, I, during festivals are awesome, meet up with all your best mates from around the world and we're having a barbie in the backyard playing some backyard cricket. It's just heaven for an Aussie. Mm-hmm. So I had four four bottles of beer. Uh, get to the venue. Um, do it. I'm doing a gig before my show. Uh, I do a guest spot. Have a pint there, and then go out to my gig. I buy a cider for me and a cider for my sound guy because he's a good mm. bloke. Mm. And that's before I go to work. And then after the show, I'll have a couple of drinks with the punters, um, and that's just socialising. And then I'd make the decision to go out drinking. Yeah. Right. You know, I wasn't. Jesus. You know that, and that was that was just life. That's how it became. Yes. So and then you go right. Well, all right, I'm not. I'm not progressing. I'm not getting better. I'm getting. Uh, I'm getting deeper depressions. I'm. I'm unfit. I'm unhealthy because I've always quite a competitive sportsman mm-hmm. in in high school. Um, and um, yeah, I played high level cricket and mm. uh, captain the Australian rules footy uh, team at my my college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then to to take uh, so I was wasn't firing on all cylinders, but I still had that kind of competitive streak in me, and I was taking that to work with me now. I was taking that on stage and like getting getting angry and jaded about other people's progression. Okay, okay. Like, and they were progressing because they'd been solid and consistent, and they yeah. deserved it. And I'm like going, "Well, on my best day, I'm better than all these people." Which is not how yes. the game works. Yes, of it's course. how sport works. It's how competitive full that contact. That's a really interesting analogy. Yes, you know? it is. And that's yeah, where I was in my provided head. Provided you do the best one ever once, mm. everyone remembers it. But that's not how comedy works. No, because it's it's a it's a team game where everyone needs to win for the greater good of the audience. Yes. You know? And not just on the night, but on the the run, yeah. the, the whole run of shows. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I got so I got a bit lost there for a bit, and I, I definitely rattled a few, uh, you know, rattled a few cages in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's it's regrettable, but you know, you, you've just got to be the the best you can. Were you? Were you? Did did the drinking come from a place of unhappiness? You mentioned depression there. I mean, mm-hmm. it sort of sounds like 
you know, it was just that you were a kind of party good time guy yeah. that, that was everyone's friend, everyone bought you drinks and, and that's how you slipped into it. Or yeah. was there something that you were, that you were running away from or to? Um, uh, interesting. A bit, of, a bit of both. More, more the uh, former. Yeah. I'd have to say that, you know, it was the the happy-go-lucky guy wants to just... I, I definitely wanted to be the last to leave the party so no one, no one could talk about me because I would be quite loose, you know. So I'd always make the... There's always a point of pride to be the last man standing. So that was... A, so no one could talk about you? You know, is that the whole thing? Yeah, because you don't want to, to leave and then have go, oh, God. So you wanted to be okay. present for the whole time. So I'm not familiar with the word uh, loose in the context that, oh, you, that you've yeah, used Yeah, as in... Um, yeah, because I'd be... I'd be not not hammered, but I'd be pretty, yeah, I'd be pretty wrecked Yeah, at a party. And you just make sure, like, for example, after festivals, we go back to Craig Egan's house. Craig Egan, one of my yeah. best mates ever, best man at my wedding. He'd host some amazing parties after, you know, the rhino room would cool down and we'd go out hard uh, at parties there. And I'd just make sure, you know, I'd be, I'd be a mess. But I'd still yeah. be, make a point of staying up and making sure I saw out the night, so no one could talk about me. That's that very, was, that's that very was, unusual. That, okay. yeah, that's that a was, real insight into that how your yeah, it was like, how your head was working. Yeah, at the it was time. like I don't, I want to, um, you know, I don't, yeah, because it got to a place where I was unhappy. Yeah, you know, and it was, um, yeah, I, I don't think I was trying to re- replace anything. I just, yeah, I just lost control because I yeah. definitely have that kind of thing about me. Is I want, I want to do whatever I'm doing to its greatest uh, capacity or potential. But the sure. thing is, and what I've taught myself recently is that's one thing you can't succeed in. You can push yourself hard as you can in, in that down that road. And you can excuse it for what you think it is. You know, I, I was kept, I'm telling myself, oh, I'm trying to do the Gonzo thing, trying to, ex- okay. and that was my process. Yes, I was yes. trying to you say this. That- I'm going to, I'm going to send myself on a journey tonight, and because strangely, a lot of these nights where I blow myself up and go, go out, I'd, I'd be able to recall it all. I've got a pretty, yes. like Hatfield. I remember the gig. I could tell yes, you, yes, I could tell you about, I could tell you about that gig. Um, Jeff Norcott was on. The same night. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. And we developed a, a nickname for. I think I was pretty drunk that night, and it was a tough gig. There was a there was a long table of about fourteen people. Yeah. And there was a, a lady. It was a Christmas. It was a Christmas show, and there okay. was a lady about uh, about four back on this front table, and the whole table ended up disappearing because she just kept heckling and heckling. Oh my god! Do I do her? remember that. Right. Yeah. There was no. There was no way I'd have been able to recall that without so, you. Yes, and I was very drunk that night too. Um, I okay. in, in Norcott, so I can remember all this stuff. Yes. And um, Jess, one of my best mates, and he still he calls the the term Kermiting because I. Uh, this is where the nickname uh, he called me Kermit for a bit because what I did is I, I sat on the bar and I thought. Yeah. Well, I just moved as far as away from her because I was on a cordless. So I sat on the bar and she goes, oh, yes. he's done a Kermit. Yes. So oh, my God. I was Kermiting that night. So I can remember all, all this stuff when I was thinking. So that was my – I kept uh, – I might have been hiding a drink and drug problem in the fact that, no, nah, I'm going out to, to you know, human theatre, I'd call it. I'd go and try yeah. and push some boundaries and see what I can report back. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing the graft and sitting there writing gags, I'd okay. go out and live an experience – and okay. retail. 
So this is Mickey. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this. I, I just love spending time with him. I'm sure you can hear in the warmth of my voice uh, how much I'm enjoying this one, which now I think of it is to say nothing of next week's episode when I'll be interviewing uh, Enfant Terrible of the British comedy circuit, Alfie Brown. And I think at one point during the show, I profess my love to him. Uh, it didn't go quite that far with Mickey, but uh, as you can hear, he's a lovely guy. We're getting some really good um, uh, life experience stuff, actually. One of one of the, the key ways that Mickey interests me is how he manages to be so busy, so globetrotting, so happy and be an effective husband and father and run marathons. And as you can hear through the interview, I'm very, very excited by that. And uh, I hope he fields lots of uh, offers for professional coaching jobs uh, from all of you to get everyone up and running. And um, on the subject of benevolent things, uh, I got an email from Simon Kane, uh, who's tried to do, uh, he said, I've decided to try and use the circuit in a positive way by asking every comedian to donate one pound to shelter. Uh, I know your audience, he says, has a lot of comedy fans and performers in it. So you can uh, you can go to the link on the Comedians Collective Facebook group. I think that's an invite only group um, or uh, you need to be confirmed for it somehow. So that's a, sort of a, an internal uh, comedy industry initiative. But if you'd like to donate a pound or more, he says he's already nosing up to a thousand pounds, which is fills me with hope, really, that we can all look past all of our horrendous Christmas gigs and try and turn some of those wages into uh, into something positive. Remember to go and see Slightly Fat Features. Um, these are my old street performing buddies, and uh, that some of them are old. <laughs> some of them are, well, one of them in particular, lovely little old-timer. Um, but go and see them. They're a wonderful, wonderful gang show called Variety Soup, which is happening at the Leicester Square Theatre. I saw it last night, and it just makes me howl with laughter. Um, it's suitable for children. It's fun for all the family, and it's a lovely, warm, different thing. If you've uh, had, a, if you've spent your whole year seeing stand up, then go and see some uh, some old school variety nonsense by a bunch of seven increasingly elderly men who should know better. Um, I myself am going to be at the World Buskers Festival in Christchurch in January, just round the corner. I think I'm travelling out there in just less than a month. I'm very excited about that. So if you're going to be in New Zealand during January uh, and you're on the South Island, come along to Christchurch and say hello. I'm comparing the stand up stage every night with Chris Turner, Harley Breen and the absolutely brilliant Luke Heggie. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that's going to be my big uh, writing during the day. I'm, I'm totally going to write for like five or six or seven hours every day and then gig every night. That's definitely, definitely what I'm going to do. I definitely am going to do that because at the moment, um, the next year's Edinburgh show is just feeling like a big amorphous blob with one joke in it about coffee. So that's where we are with that. You can donate to the show, of course, at comedianscomedian.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a donation of any amount of money. Uh, we respectfully suggest £10, £20, or a pound a show if you're feeling flush. Uh, click on the extremely visible PayPal button um, at comedianscomedian.com. You can also, uh, if you are a Patreon user, you can patronise me at patreon.com forward slash comcompod and you make a, a regular dollar donation apparently it's all in dollars uh, still um and uh, you make a regular donation there and every time a show comes out i get a little thing from it apparently i don't think they've sent me any money yet but a few people have signed up to that let's see what happens and finally if you'd like to send um this is this is cheeky but you'll understand why this is fun um i've recently been using the amazon locker um at shepherd's bush library because now listen there's an ethical issue here Every time I mention Amazon, my more right-on friends go, oh, no, Amazon are bastards. And I'd be totally honest with you, I haven't looked into why. Uh, if it turns out that they are bastards, it's probably tax and workers' conditions and stuff like that, then I will try not to use them. I don't know. Can, can, can anyone not use Amazon? 
these days? Is there is there a way of shopping that doesn't involve doing it in 20 seconds online? Oh, maybe I maybe I shouldn't be. I feel like I'm advertising them now, which was never my intention. All I was going to say was I've discovered this locker thing um, where you can get stuff sent directly to the locker. And then they email you a code and you go along and you punch the code in and a little door in the locker pings open and you feel like a spy and you pick up a package. And as if that wasn't good enough, each locker all over the country has got a different name. And the one near me is called Cronus, K-R-O-N-U-S, Cronus. And so I I've been I've been popping in to see Cronus and pick up little packages I've been getting for Christmas sort of every other day. And the best bit is that uh, just next to Cronus is an automated library book checking out machine that looks very similar to TARS from Interstellar. So, look, I throw myself on your mercy. um, People who consider that Amazon is a terrible thing. Uh, I will look into it in the new year, I promise. But for the moment, I'm just going to let myself enjoy Cronus over the uh, over the, the Christmas period. And then uh, next year, I will uh, I will approach it with fresh eyes and do my research properly. So um, if you would like to send something to the podcast, no matter how small, send me a sprout. Wrap it nicely. So, oh, Christ, don't send me a sprout. Maybe we should just bail this whole bit. <laughs> but if you fancy sending anything to the podcast, it just occurred to me, you could send me, I don't know, a fucking turd in a box or something. Send it to Cronus, K-R-O-N-U-S, and email me the code, and I'll go along and i get a little surprise thing. Maybe now you're going to all ironically send me documents about how terrible Amazon are. I'm prepared to accept that maybe they're terrible. I think we all exist in a world in which it's just we we try not to think about how awful everything is, because if you think about it too hard, you realise seven companies own everything. Um, so this Christmas, I am receiving things from my Amazon locker uh, just because there's a robot. I go in and I bow to, to the little robot that I call Tars. Did anyone else see Interstellar and want Tars to be sort of their dad? He's such a good robot. He's such a good robot. Um, will we leave this bit in? Let's leave it in for now and uh, and and see what happens. Don't send me a sprout. Don't stink up Cronus. Send me something non-organic. And uh, if, you, if you fancy, you know, rather than a, a donation, why not a bit of Lego (laughs) or something, anything like that. There we go. That's all of that. Now let's get back to the very lovely Mickey D. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Did it come to a head at some point? Was it was there some awful yeah, there experience was, there was, where you there went that's several, it forever? Several rock bottoms. And that's right, the thing that, okay. you know, but you need you need good um support and um, you know, something solid like you know, like a, a proper purpose, you know. Yeah. My own my own my own family, I've got a wife and a child, I can't let them down. I've got to be the best me I can. And, yeah. you know, there was other times I had the gambling come into it as well. Okay. So um, I, yeah, that was the thing. I'd go out and because I'd 
the uh, of all the of all the kind of bibles to have uh, fear and loathing the, the book and then the movie yeah. enthralled me in my, my yeah. early 20s i and it never it was never going to end well because i sat down and learned all about it and watched it with greg fleet of all people yes okay the, the, okay. <laughs> the master you know and yeah. you know they had another one of your big brothers is greg fleet and um i uh, it was amazing sit down and he introduced me to hundreds thompson Yes. And, um, and that just that must have I've just gone, confirmed all gone, of your wow. thoughts about yeah this is how I'm going to do it. This there's there's do two it. masters right there. Yes. So I've gone okay that's how I'm going to report. So I go go and you know turn both taps on hard yes. and live life like that. So and then um, gambling runs thick in my my Irish blood. Oh you know I mean? mate. So um, as you recount these stories mm. both on stage and right now. There is a kind of twinkle in your eye. Oh yeah. That you I mean, do you regret that stuff? Not or do one you bit. think Christ I was lucky to no, get no, out no. of it? No, I was <laughs> not bo- one bit. <laughs> <of> both. Honestly, <laughs> you, <laughs> I was driving down the motorway the other night and um uh, I was I was late for a gig and I, on a on a Friday night. Oh, I, I love gigging in the UK for so many reasons, but um, especially if you, you you pull a double on a Friday night and you drive between gigs, there's already the adrenaline from the yeah, first gig. Yeah. And then um, Pete Tong is on Radio 1, so <laughs> I'm getting this whole residual kickback and I'm going, oh, man, that was some good times. You know? And, oh, you know, so man. there's no real regrets because I wouldn't be me without that to reflect on. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I I hurt some people yeah. in the process and I'm, I'm sorry for that, but uh, I uh, – not, not massively, but <laughs> – well, not I, massively sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> bit, of, bit of both, you know. We, um, everything happens for a reason. But, um, you know, I had some, some great times and, and I, I look back on it and, and like I said, um, I said to that kid in the audience, I said, um, it was all, they're awesome and that's yeah. the problem. You know, and if, um, and I think you were really lucky to have come out of them. It's quite an unusual story to have mm. gone so hard and then to have gone so far the other way. It makes me think of someone like Marcus Brigstock, who just has an addictive personality, yeah. really overdid it as a teenager, and now is addicted to life and knowledge and experiences and climbing and ice climbing and, you know, whatever else he Oh, does. great, I should get his number. Yeah, you totally should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should hang out. So in terms of you, like, how does, how does, your, how does your writing process work now? Given that you're, you seem to be someone who writes on stage, who has experiences, mm. remembers them. Oh, that, that's what I was going to say. Was you were very lucky, I guess, to have had the stamina to not have killed yourself by overdoing it, mm. <laughs> and to have the recall that enables you. I mean, I've had some great nights out. I, I just can't remember them. You yeah. know, whenever I've gone too hard, and it's increasingly a problem now as I approach my forties. <coughs> um, the uh, I can't remember any of that stuff, yeah. but you can. Yeah. So, so when you're writing, do you mostly write on stage? Do you improvise because you've got this kind of really casual sort of kermiting? Oh, that's a wonderful phrase. Yeah. You know, you can just you can grab a mic more so than most other comics I could mention, and I could just say to you, "You're not allowed to tell any stories that you've ever told on stage before." And you go, "Okay, I'll, uh, I'll tell a hun- these other hundred. Yeah. Oh, I'm 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 lucky in a sense. You're right. I can recall a lot of things, and I've I've been blessed to go so many wild and wonderful places, and the places I couldn't go to, I took myself there through other means. You know, so I can um, pull pull that from my head. But as far as the, the process goes, it would be some some grafting, get stuff in the in the notebook, and but just write triggers like okay. like uh, you know certain like like a yeah like a dot point set list, but. Um, I I lost my notebook, so I'd thought the other night, mm-hmm. like uh, between gigs, I was rushing between gigs, and I thought, ah, oh, I've left the notebook on the roof of the car, and I'm like, ah, oh, you dig, and then I've gone, okay, I could probably drive back there after my second gig, 
um, and get it, but what if it's gone? Um, and then in the process of, you know, it's a 15-mile drive, I decided, it's like, okay, well, think of the major points that are in your notebook that you haven't okay. taken on stage yet and just uh, just remembered all those. And then that whole thing, you've, you've obviously... Um, like most people lost a whole heap of work through a computer crash yeah and then when you rewrite that essay or whatever it was it was fresh in your head and it come out better so i'd convince myself that okay well you're just gonna have to suck it up and do that and i was a little bit disappointed when i found my notebook (laughs) (laughs) and i'm going ah so still those (laughs) shitty little cobweb notes i've got to and it's funny because um I, I'm not too proud. Uh, not I'll go share this with you. It's, it's a bit cheeky, but um, back in what would have been 2000, uh, yeah, um, a very close mate of mine, Justin Justin Hamilton, yes, and myself, we were the uh, the Alien Heads opening Ross Noble show for him. He had these dancing aliens that okay. would sing us sing along, and then Ross Noble would come out, okay. and <clears throat> we cheekily had a peek. He left his notebook open backstage and just saw how he'd do all these mind maps. Oh, just, hello. Uh, Ross was on the show about three weeks ago. Was so, he talking yeah. about, um, yeah, just so we, I, I promise I didn't flick any pages. I just, <laughs> I just looked and went, wow. So and so I've, I've used stuff like mind maps and, and how just like a central word and like drawing lines off that to what it else it could trigger just to kind of know where at any point, uh, you, you know, it's like a linear nature of, a set where you could draw on anything and use a story to back up a point but then coming into that problem is the amount of stage time I used to run over quite a bit mm-hmm. which was quite naughty mm-hmm. so it's about I, I've I've done um I've done better work when I've been more regimented and okay just hit these out get on get off yeah leave them wanting more yeah and so is that that process by which you you write your kind of bullet points and then presumably you're like if you're right, are you doing Edinburgh this year? Uh, are you making a new show? What's yeah, well, I'm writing a new show for Adelaide and okay. uh, Perth and Adelaide. Yes, yeah, sorry, it's a very uh, UK centric way of describing yeah. it. Yeah, you, but yeah. mate, um, I will be in Edinburgh, but um, yeah, I hope to take this show there. Okay, yeah. And so when you sit, like, where does that show begin? I sort of get the like for me, I go right day one. I'm going to start writing now. I sort yeah. of get the impression for you that the stuff is constantly. <clears throat> Turning over and turning up and yeah. bits and bobs and gigs. Yeah, and and go, I've I'll, got that. I've got that. And I'm not too proud to say, uh, you know, I might pull some old stuff from seven years ago in, uh, rework that in, in a new context. Like I think I'm, I'm going to put the K, some KFC stuff back into the new show. Yeah. Because um, there's an acronym that they used to drum into us called Champs. Like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm doing my very best. I want to become a, a champion athlete. That's where I want to, I want to push myself. That's where okay. I want to go. So, but linking to that is what they used to drum into us at KFC, which is you're a champ, cleanliness, hospitality, accuracy, maintenance, product speed. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. Uh, even if I didn't have a good memory, it'd just be drummed into us. So stuff like that would be coming in. And yeah, it's, like you said, it's a constantly evolving process, um, working stuff in. But I, th- I think first of all, I'd, I'd sit down and do what, uh, I, I hear Tarantino does like before he puts together a film he goes okay what kind of music would I like to listen to as I'm building this film I, I've, I've heard that's how he operates okay. so I, I kind of put together a bit of a bit of a playlist on my tunes of how I'm, how I'm feeling what kind of music have I been listening to in the last year as I've been thinking about making this show 
Okay. And that kind of becomes a soundtrack in my head, and you know that's where I'm at emotionally. That's brilliant! That's, I've never heard of that. So yeah, so there's certain songs like because like I was saying before, how driving down the motorway, listening to uh, Pete Tong. So there's, I'm listening to a lot of old house music. My daughter, she's turning four, she's into her house music. <laughs> uh, so there's there's that running through me. There's um, yeah, there's there's some tunes that. Um, that get me take me into a, a place like a um whether I weave put I don't I don't think I'll be putting these songs in my show but that they're, they're a part of building it you know I'll go into so do you listen to that same playlist over and over again while you write or yeah. is it just that you're just talk to me a bit more about exactly how that works that's fascinating that's okay. a brilliant idea so are you are you sort of saying you put them in order and then you write stuff that suits each song so I, you end up with a well, you're not not to really shape the show, but just to kind of uh, get, get the tone. So this is okay. this is where this, the, obviously I, I want to write the show to to uh, yeah. Usually, usually I'd go in the past. I've written the show to go hard and fast and just keep keep hitting them hard and fast, yeah. and then slow it down at forty five. It's that old classic. Yeah, yeah. Slow it down at forty five, and then try and tie it all off. Yeah. Um, but this year's shows uh, quite different. Um, I'm. I'm essentially, I wouldn't say battling myself. I'm going out there playing um, an over-enthusiastic kind of guy giving a motivational talk. So, okay. And then I'm hijacking it as me as a stand-up kind of. Um, so I'm I'm hijacking my own TED talk Okay. Um, about, you know, the, it's called a, a master class of champions. So it's tongue okay. in cheek. Okay, it's like you know, I'm. It's basically the way you don't never want to go about emceeing. No one wants to show ram down their throat on a Friday. I've made yeah. the mistake so many times. Come out, going, yeah, you up for a big night? It's like dickhead. They're here. Yeah, just welcome them and don't don't sh- rattle them up. It's like, why aren't you going? Why aren't you cheering with me? It's because they've worked all week, mate. Yeah, yeah, okay. just slowly. So I'm going to kind of work in with that kind of vibe. No one wants anything. So I'm going to ram a show down their throat for 10 minutes and then pull myself up on it and then restart it again, then constantly contradict myself okay. throughout the show. So it's, 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 a real, it's a real battle. So it's, it's interesting. Instead of it being – last few shows have been kind of me going out and doing a straight stand-up and kind of tying it off some kind of loose theme. But mm-hmm. this year it's going to be – you know, trying uh, just to push myself with something different, and then I'm going to take my audience for a run afterwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, because I'm, uh, yeah. So it's um, that's a great idea. So just just something, something a little bit different. But. Have you have you had the reaction that you've wanted for your? Do do you feel your last like shows over the last fifteen years? You say have have they always got what you felt they deserved, kind of critically and in terms of audience. Uh, critically, yes. The audience uh, n- last year, no. Those that came were wonderful. But um, I, I got nominated for best show uh, for the third time in Adelaide, and the nights where I had judges in, um, they stuck out like sore thumbs because they were yeah. one of six. Wow! Uh, and it was so weird. It wasn't it, selling in Adelaide, it, and you're from it, Adelaide. It was, it was strange. And you got it's, the pedigree. Mid midweek, it was it was just hard. Like some nights yeah. were, were so. Um, it's the festival itself kind of bloated. It's getting now. it's getting bigger, but it's just hard because you know it's that combination of people have seen me. I, I'll be honest, I've turned over some uh, old material and repackaged it again. So they've gone okay, good on them for going and seeing other stuff. Um, yeah. But just midweek was slow, and just so happens that's when the judges were coming, and it was a. 
Um, oh, I, I did this, yeah, I did this, but it was fun. So I just had to slow the show down. I had to because you can't yeah. ram a high energy show down people's throats. So I learned a lot by just slowing it down, and I stumbled on a new rhythm since being a father because I'm literally exhausted. So try, <laughs> yeah, trying okay. to trying to train um, for for marathons and be um, be a father and be and uh, do the road miles, and be be a good husband, be supportive, and, and then try and turn out a high energy set i just was turning up and it's kind of like jack jack d stumbled on a rhythm yes he you know just just kind of not you just turned up and just rolled it out with nothing to lose and i stumbled on that and i realized if only you know if i realized i could get more for doing less you tell me this five years ago yeah yeah absolutely it's like oh wow it's funny just seeing you today just when you arrived half an hour ago you you seem to be. You seem to have a different internal rhythm, and I was wondering, what is that? The marathons is that? Maybe it is just being knackered, but maybe mm. maybe the being knackered in the marathons have kind of, like you say, that you you've kind of realised. Oh, I can be like this. Yeah, I can be at this. I, I kind of I like referring to it as the, the stillness. You know, you just you're you're assured. You're not not in a hurry because you you just in. It's that quiet. A quiet confidence, and whether it's uh, you know whether you're fronted out to an audience, if they see you do nothing for twenty yeah. seconds, they're like, "Wow, I, wow!" Burns he said it to me. Brendan Burns said, "People's chief fear of um, public speaking is going blank or freezing." That's yeah. that's probably where the you know yes. the crux of their yes. fear comes. Or what if they're frozen? So to present that fearlessly, to go up there and say nothing and not be in a yeah. Not being a fuss, or people go wow, and like you might be up there as the comic, you know, fronting that out. But if you are comfortable enough not to say anything up there, that's just that's, an observation um, as well. I think your voice has changed. I think the way you speak has changed. Mm-hmm. Having seen, having just been like you know, in the last hour before you arrived, yeah, watching yeah. some of those videos from like two thousand and eight, you, I think, were doing a thing that a lot of men do, which is to make yourself like. But lots of men, I think, I've, I've heard this. I'm not no student of uh, you know psychology. But um, uh, I think men try to make themselves, unconsciously, they try to make themselves sound more manly by placing their voice back in there to sort of sound tougher. Mm. And I think the difference in your voice between that clip in 2008 and now would support that theory of you having found a, a sort of a different rhythm and actually you're just going, this is just me. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, if, you know, because deep down, you know, if it came to it and I needed to turn it on, it's there. Yeah. But, you know, let's, uh, until that happens, let's just keep ticking over. You know, it's it's just yeah. I think just a, a stillness. It's uh, I wouldn't say I've found inner peace. I'm not gonna you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna open a lavender shop just yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's nice just to have a quiet confidence. You know, with your shows, when you embark on a new show, are you? What's the most important thing for you? Are you most interested in getting them all to laugh, or are you most interested in expressing yourself? Or is there what's what's thing number one? Is it anything for a laugh, or is it? Um, yeah, I, I I've been there. Yeah, I've gone. Uh, you know, they've they've paid to. Uh, and yet again, um, Boo, my wife, has helped point this out. They've paid to come and see a show and laugh. You know, there's so many, so many personal biographical shows. It's like you know, it's like you know, everyone. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a background. But essentially, people are paying to come and see a show. You know, so you got to finding that blend. You you want to share something um, autobiographical? Do you want to you know try and yeah? So the last few have just been like make them make them laugh, um, and now it's like okay, I, I want to 
um, start playing around with that again. So last year, um, I gave a taste of some good, uncomfortable silences. Like I'd, I'd start the show in negative territory. Instead of going out there and going, come on, and getting them on board, I'd pull it back to where the start of the show was me sitting in, it was an outdoor venue, so I was sitting in a garden with a floodlight on me and I was just um, meditating until the audience kind of twigged it was me. Um, and then it was a really strange, so starting in negative territory, So mm. and then just coming up and going, yeah, look, we'll start in a minute, it's all right. Mm. It's not in a hurry. And they're like, so that's kind of disarming and from mm. there. And so, um, yeah, I just want to see, um, you know, people are, are kind enough to give you, you know, their hour and then their attention during that hour, just seeing what we can share. Do you, do you think there's a, a risk with the kind of everyman bit of local, you know, you've got material on, you know, Scotland, and I'm sure you've got material on certain different areas of Scotland and the differences mm. between them and stuff like that. Is is there a risk that that can come across as too kind of journeyman-like? Yeah, it's um, if it, true. Yeah, if, if that's, um, if you could, if that was what your show is entirely about. You know, yeah. but if you're if you're using it as a as a vehicle to connect, and and that's that's why I've always applied it. So whether you know I tailor the start of a show to whatever town I've been in, because I, I put in the work that day. Um, I just did a, a show with Damien Callanan that we'd been working up for nearly a decade, where we'd go into a town with uh, no show, and we're going to turn one out in thirty hours, purely yeah. about the town, a show about the town for the town. So it's um, about applying those skills. How has that been? Tell us about that. That was great. It was it was full on because you come in. We had a camera crew, so it was about we put together about about between five to ten um, video sketches or you know little vignettes about oh, the yes. town. Yeah, I think so I've that seen was, this. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's called Road Trip. Yes, so yeah, was, I've seen a bit um, of that online. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was an intense process and a great experience to work with Damo. But yeah, very very challenging as like because you you wouldn't have any time to to kind of reflect because it's yeah. always on to the next town yeah. and keep tuning out. So I've exercised that that muscle to the extreme uh, on that tour. Like it was well, we were on for eight weeks. Damo did like another four. He's done 12 okay. weeks. So he he's a machine about, you know, coming in. And we went about it different ways. Like Damo would go into the uh, Country Women's Association. I'd go to the front bar. I go to the skate bar, a skate uh, skate park. He'd go, he'd go to the um, the local history museum, and then okay. we'd... was that a contrivance of the show, or did that reflect con- your own actual personalities, personalities. again? Okay. And then and that, and that we played that off each other on stage as well. So okay. yeah, it being one of the ways that I build a show is to connect people, whatever means, um, and, and then this show that I'm writing, it's, it's simply called Run. So I'm going to tap in, uh, and it's. It's for everyone, but I'm marketing it for, for midweek, trying to get people, all the runners, to come along and we'll go for a, a run afterwards. And That's any, such a good any, idea, mate. Any, great. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> I hope it works because I'm just flat out during Adelaide and yeah. Perth and I'm, I'm training for the London Marathon. Mm. So I've thought, I, it's a bit cheeky. So if, you, if anyone hears this and wants to come uh, midweek on a – on Wednesdays and Thursdays, that's where I'm doing my speed work. So if you want to race, I need you to set a pace for me. 
Christmas so in Adelaide. Yeah, well, Wednesdays in, and Thursdays are in... Oh, sorry. Perth, Perth well. for six nights and then Adelaide. Okay. Um, Adelaide, I'm doing a three-week run. I've got a, a, an extra long run at the Rhino, which is an absolute godsend. Um, yeah, but so the audience, we're going to have a nice leisurely 5K, three-miler, um, and then... Um, There'll be a surprise along the way once we reach our destination. <laughs> uh, and then from there we might have a little uh, kind of a game, uh, put some put some free tickets on the line to, to see who wants to have a race. Amazing. Any, any excuse to kind of, um, uh, you know, get, I've got to, yeah, I've got to train. So, uh, yeah. That is such a good idea to put the training into it. One of my favourite memories of Adelaide is seeing you and the fabulous Fred Southern Star oh, right. going running at midnight. Yeah. Because like, you've got time, it's just, about time management. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, uh, yeah, <laughs> Fred, one of my oldest and dearest friends, um, we we were there in the clubbing days together. And yes. our phone calls are much similar. Okay, where are we going to meet up? What time? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Have you got the gear? It's yeah. Like, yeah, I've got, I've got, yeah I've just, I just bought it the other day from Nike. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it's it's hilarious. I mean, it's the same excitement, it's the same, and, and pretty much. I don't know if you to uh, to analyze our bud chemistry. Probably the same amounts of dopamine running through yes. us, um, and it's something you can progress at and win at. You know, uh, it, it was it's it's just strange, yeah. And she's um, she's working towards her first marathon this year, and yeah, I'm, I'm coaching some some other people and writing programs. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm well into it. It's it's great because it was that was the part of me that kind of was was left to die was the competitive athlete. Uh, it's it's what I had drummed into me always. Uh, you know, growing up as a, a young kid, yeah. all through high school, there was you know your parents would say you're going to play cricket for Australia. It's like well that was a little bit, was a little bit lofty. But um, I I played high level in SA as a youngster and played good competitive Aussie rules football but then my mates went on to play um you know good good state level football and I remember you know a year out of high school um you know weighing 20 I would have put on three stone out of high school because I just got on the beer and the late night food uh after the comedy and it was like yeah it's just a little bit embarrassing but you get enough laughs and enough excitement in your life to to you know to kind of go all right well i'm getting my yes. good feelings in, yes. in in another basket now you you and boo between you have kind of a little mini empire of yeah. doing kids shows and she's got her shows she's got her own solo shows as well as the double act titty bar ha ha which i've seen many times yeah um and you've been you've run in previous years you've run the fat cave in edinburgh and, and in adelaide you you between you have made a kind of a festival life for yourselves yeah now is does that that seems to me like something that is is that something that you're doing along the way towards a loftier goal of stand up of becoming like a famous household name stand up or does that is that some way that you've gone actually the ambition is for the empire rather than the the individual success yeah i i, I think I, I i like anyone I just want to be happy and and to where i obviously i don't know if it, i can speak for everyone but you you'd like to be that Household name. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that anymore. Um, Do you I, think I've you've given up on that? No, I don't, I've, just, I've given up is really uh, negative. No, I've, uh, is that I've, less important to you? Now it's as well? Less important. It'd be it'd be a lovely bonus, but in that I'd love to uh, you know keep my daughter leaves an amazing life, being around all this um, 
all these amazing people and we go from festival to festival and we got uh, six productions in Perth, six productions in Adelaide and um yeah, we we want to um keep building on our production house, you know, and, and from there. Yes, that's um, what it's called, a production house, not yeah, an empire per yeah, se. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, empire gets me excited. <laughs> Let, uh, yeah, yeah, no, empire, no, yeah. it's like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. But, yeah, the, the drive into something that's um, realistic, see, it's, it's such a roll of dice and a little bit narrow-minded to think my chief goal is to be a household name when, you know, you could – create a, a wider base and a, a, a solid, you know, a, a solid happy life. And is, is that a conclusion that you've had to come to because of the circumstances of having a child or the circumstances of not necessarily getting picked for those more prestigious gigs? Mm, is, um, that, is that a sort of a, a reaction to circumstances or is that something that you've gone into it thinking... This is this is the most sensible thing for me to do. No, I just think it's it's reality. What what's life about? It's about um, being being happy and and living living good quality moments, and it's about where where can you combine you know your your um, free time with your family and and work in an environment you remain passionate in. You know, so it's about um, combining all those things. You know, to to pursue the. It's. I wouldn't say it's a selfish goal, but it's a it's a it's a highly focused path to be putting all your eggs in one basket. You know, to be driving, must you know it can be done. You work out a plan, and like anything, if you want it hard enough, you set out a plan and goals, and step by step, you go and like it's like training from a five k to a ten k to a marathon to ultra marathon. Anyone can do it. And it's, 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 it's so I'm laughing out loud there. Yeah. As listeners to the show will know, I've been coughing up my lungs for the last two months. I don't think I could do it. I'll, I'll I'd, you, lo- I'd love you to let's I, talk, I, let's I talk could, about training. I could, I could have you doing a 10k for New Year's Day, um, <laughs> but but it's yeah, but it's about where where am I? Where do I want to be in 10 years? I just want to be healthy and happy, and it's by no means uh, kind of giving up or uh you know uh, what's compromising no it's about it's about reality and um you know if, if i remain consistent and if i'm you know if i'm continue having great gigs like uh i'm in pretty good form at the moment i'm having i'm having great gigs i'm having good fun on stage i'm being real i'm being myself and if someone wants to throw massive money at that and <laughs> bonus but i'm i'm a happy guy so with your, just to, to, there's two more things I want to ask you about, really. One is that we'll co- just cover this very quickly. Um, the, the, I see certain festival power couples. I think of the Willses. Yeah. I yeah. think of you guys, you know, um, who are kind of, who have got lots of interests in festivals. You've both got kids, mm. those two examples. Is it possible to continue once uh, your daughter goes to school is it possible for you to continue this globe-trotting lifestyle in, in the way that you're doing it now? It's tricky. Like um, Tom and Trudy stayed, took um, their two lovely kids out of um, out of school to come and do an Aussie festival. So the, it is it's it's a it's a little disrupting for the for the youngins when they're developing friends. But you, you know, little um, little bits here and there can work. But it, it is tricky. We're going to have to make a decision. Um, you know what where the more important festivals are or where we do our most work so it's just something we'll, we'll have to come to when it's when it's there you know mm. but as far as um people go how do you do it how do you take how do you take we just you stick together and you you work as a team and grace knows no different 
the Moog. She, uh, yeah, she comes around. She loves getting on planes. And she loves coming out. And she's got so many different uncles like yourself and, yeah, right. and different, um, you know, Gordon Southern and Fred Southern, her godparents, you know, Elise Tobin is one of her, oh, her, yeah. her god or her fairy godmother. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. She's got three fairy godmothers. That's perfect for Elise. <laughs> three fairy godmothers and, and Gordon, Gordon, Gordy is her godfather. Gordy the yeah, Gordy, yeah, Gordy's the... <laughs> Gordy, the Godfather, he signed a Christmas card like that. So you know, we've, she's got a massive wider family and, and yes. a richness. You know, so we're really, really proud that we can, you know, remain passionate about what we're doing, working in our field, and giving that kind of life to our little ones. You know, and um, yeah, bring on, bring on number two and three. I say, you know? <laughs> excellent. You know, because we're just we're seeing big money in circus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So so lastly then. You're um, given the added responsibility of being a, a dad who's moving their family around and moving around with their family. It's mm. not, not obviously your decision, but um, I don't mean. I mean, it's not your decision alone, obviously. But um, when your shows have so much more riding on them, this is what I'm particularly kind of yeah. fascinated with at the moment. My last show was all about how I'm desperate to have a kid. I'm not, we're not pregnant yet, you know, we're, there's, a, there's an ongoing conversation about, yeah, maybe this is, maybe we should shut up and have a kid. Um, and, and that conversation is predominantly motivated by me. But it's I, awesome. one of my, thanks, I'm very excited about it. But one of my um, fears, obviously, is, oh, I'm living the in, inordinately selfish life of a stand-up. How can I, how can I maintain, how can I look after someone through my work, you know, mm. in terms of making enough money, having enough time? Yeah. And, and I suppose those are all things that we've, we've kind of covered a little bit. But ultimately, I suppose what I'm scared of is that the, the fear of being on stage at a gig that isn't going well or new material that isn't working. Yeah, or, right. You know, when you're facing the cliff face of how do I turn this gig around? How do I write this new show? How do I write this new joke today? Mm. And there's, and what's riding on it is not just whether or not I'm in a good mood tonight. Yeah. But actually, a, a, a longer process of a, a longer, you know, a wider system of of, uh, of the well being of your family. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great healthy pressure. You know, it's like uh, just yeah to know that that's it's not do or die really. It's yeah you've this is your your pleasure, your passion, your profession, and and it's it's what you do. And to have uh, have it all have your family. And your well-being riding on your passion—it's—it's it's the perfect coupling, you know. It's like, um, and when when the odds are stacked against you, that's when you got to play. You got to play your hardest and your best. So that's where the competitive nature in me is focused now. It's not to be better than anyone else. It's to be—it's to be better than every scenario that I'm in. Whatever's thrown at me, I've just got to better it. You know, it's—it's it's, if okay, it's going to be—it's a tough gig. Well, you just see it through. It's a. It's uh, you know six hour round trip tonight uh, on a you know congested motorway. Well, it's it's just what you do. It's life. It's you know it's uh, you've got um, you got four four gigs in in one day during a festival. Hey, when you're going to get some sleep, you got to get and pick up your door. It's just what you do, and you're just surrounded in a, a richness. You know, or I could be back a house breading chicken. <laughs> You know, it's like I'm, I'm a pretty lucky bloke. When people, when we went on a holiday this year, and we, we're not, we're, we're, we're not, um, 
yeah, we're not fancy people, but we, we, we bought a package holiday and we looked at it and we've gone, what are we doing? We, we've been paid to stay in nicer places. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're really lucky people. And to say yes. stuff like that, it sounds a little bit snooty. But no, it's sure, like, but it's from like, the point of view of a comic, you get flown to wherever it is, Singapore or Hong Kong, yeah. to, you know, somewhere exotic and exciting. And you so, get put and up. so yeah. even with that scenario, you go, well, this is a learning experience and this is going to be, you know, now, you know, boo, she's a great comedian as well and she's like, uh, as well, yes, I'm a fan of me. <laughs> um, I've been to all his gigs. So it, we, we're looking at this place in Tenerife. That should have been the alarm bells already. We're going to Tenerife for a little holiday. But it was a holiday is um, uh, the reverse of the norm. We did something something completely different. We did something that was organised and streamlined. We, we love planning and, and putting together um, festivals and shows and our holidays as well. So we went and did this package holiday and then we saw it for, saw the room, looked completely different to the photos and, yeah. and just went, oh God, we're here for a week. And then, then we look at each other going, well, who's going who's gonna to get the material? Are you going to put this in your set? Am I going to put this in mine? Are you going to make this? Are you going to make a song about this? Am I going to rant about it in in uh, some story? Yeah. So it's um to to have uh, your your love and your partner work in the same field as you and yeah, it's good, man. It's just that's just I know I said we finished. I promise this is my last question. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about. My favourite bit of your material, which you were doing in New Zealand two years ago, okay, was about Boo, right? And it was about um, she about her putting diesel in the car. Oh yeah, that is such an incredible <laughs> bit of material. And I just wanted because we've talked a lot. Of, I, I, I suppose the story of, of Mickey D at the moment that that, that I'm. Uh, getting that I've been relishing through this interview is you turning your life around and just you know being the the you know the marathon runner that's been inside you the whole time you know and that's that's the thing people always say about comedy isn't it it's a marathon not a sprint yeah and you've got the you feel like oh this is the right rhythm now Mick can do this for another 40 years (laughs) come on yeah Yeah. um but so we've we've focused a lot on that and, and less so on the writing but I just wanted to choose just that bit of material um specifically that story and just ask you did you just tell that story straight on stage and then then do you go and edit it afterwards or do you do you improvise it fresh every night or do you is there ever a period where you go okay that story works now I'm going to sit down and no that's and write that one that evolved on stage it and all then, involves on stage and then plugins and then plugins I said that quite nice like it's a big risk to say uh, you know I was just about to punch you in the head you know? yeah. <laughs> if you ever wrote that down in a notebook yeah, it's, it's awful. not a good, it's not a no. good marriage no. um, you know uh, so it's like yeah it's constantly how do I feel about yeah it's drawing on feelings of what we found out it was like a horrible moment when she made the mistake so it's it's not it's not a happy story so it's it's been celebrating that everyone makes mistakes and um and in doing so yeah and that i'm still enjoying doing that bit two years on and it's evolved God, it again it's and great, it's great it's, it is it is good and then to see how different audience members react and to see you know because i'm not um you know no one wants to hear a throwaway joke about pay, threatening to 
to hit your wife. Of course, <laughs> you know what I mean. But and it's and then the, the follow up is like. Oh. I feel I've got to preface this with, with a warning <clears throat> now on the, on the podcast. For, that is not really what the story is about. No, and it's beautifully handled. It, it, and it's <laughs> like we're, we're, do you know what I mean? But because this is the only specific bit of material we've talked about, I feel like this is. I'm like a the, nice guy. The, the dark secret at the end of the brilliant happy podcast it turns is. out all of mixed materials about wife beating. <laughs> Very much not the case. No, it, it's it's about diesel economy. Uh, <laughs> it, it's um there. Yeah, it's it does. It does encapsulate um, what we're about. We're we're a team. We all we both make mistakes and we both work differently. And that's that's how uh, you know that's how we're moving forward. Thanks, Mick. My pleasure, mate. So that was Mickey. A really l- lovely interview there with an incredibly decent man. And if you haven't seen his stuff, do try and see him live. He's just an absolutely storming comic. I, I think the to to have been on that journey and gone through the crazy nights out and the performing drunk and the real just kind of going for it hardcore journeyman hell for leather road act and then a festival act and he just can just tear the roof off a tent I've seen him in Adelaide before just demolish it um, and then to come out of that and still hold on to all of that ability but also be not smoking or drinking or taking any tablets and uh, and just be running marathons and being an incredible dude. What an inspiration and a brilliant, brilliant, very funny man. Thank you. That's all for now. Next week, Alfie Brown, very inspiring in a completely different way. Um, so Alfie's coming up. Look forward to that. Uh, I've been Stuart Goldsmith. This show has been co-produced by Nathan Wood. And that's all for now. We'll speak to you soon. I'll t- I keep saying we. Like Nathan won't speak to you soon. He's not allowed to speak. Thanks. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. This is Nathan. Um, I, I, I don't think Stu normally listens this far.